On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses the latest King's X record, Three Sides of One. Let it fucking rain. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends, Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter, as we stay in the modern day and talk King's X, Three Sides of One. Alright, gentlemen, welcome to uh, what is turning into a fairly lengthy mini-segment on not-so-old albums. This may very well be the most recent um, release we've ever actually talked about officially. Um, I know we've, you know, we've sort of mentioned and talked around things, but we've never done, I don't think, a a full up episode yeah. on something that is only six weeks old. <laughs> uh, they're, still promoting, they're still promoting it actually. I mean, granted right. this, this episode isn't going to publish for another like two months, but still <laughs> 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 the fact of the matter is we are talking about it um, relatively, relatively soon. And I'm excited by this. Um, so, so King's Axe, right? We, we were very excited when we started our original King's X segment, and there was, you know, a lot of excitement around the early albums. Gretchen Goes to Nebraska was exceptionally uh, informative for us as as young people. Um, the the joy of finding Dog Man. Um, you know, the, the sort of slow burn, um, epiphany of, of please come home, Mr. Bulbous. And, and then I, you know, I personally have the impression that there was a little bit of, I don't know if it was fatigue or dissatisfaction, but I, the, the last two ogre tones and, and 15, I recall them. I haven't listened to those episodes, but I recall them not playing particularly well. I wasn't still am not necessarily into those records. And, you know, I remember you guys talking about this record because it's been, you know, in the works for some time. And and obviously Doug Pinnock has been doing a lot of different things, sort of keeping himself busy. Paul, I know that you subscribe to Ty's Patreon. And so you're always bringing in little tidbits and snippets about what Ty's doing. So they, they were in our consciousness and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, this record is sort of upon us. And I want to say I was, I was down here and it was a, a Saturday morning, I believe when 
I received the news, and I don't know if it was from you guys or, or somewhere else, but, you know, Ken, to your point, let it rain. First sing- single is out. And I'm like, ooh, New King's X, can't wait. And I fired it up. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm digging this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so this record came out, and, you know, it starts out with Let It Rain, which, you know, is a great, great way to do it, right? Because haven't we joked before about King's X always choosing the wrong song to release as a <laughs> as a first single? Yes. Right. Yes, We've indeed. We've that. And, and they got this one right. Great way to start the record. But the rest of it, you know, I, I've really enjoyed this record a lot. And it's a it's a nice tight forty seven minutes. To me, it, it plays like a modern version of old Queensrÿche. Um, I you know the, the the there are there are sound cues that are similar, but it's obviously different. I like the fact that there's a lot of space in the music as a whole. And there, there are just a lot of things that I really, really, really like about this record. So I'm excited. Whether they are or not, I probably profess for King's X being my favorite band more than any other band uh, when asked that, that silly question. And I, I haven't listened to any of our episodes on King's X, but I, I remember plenty of gushing happening uh, over the the many records that we that we talked about so like knowing that this was coming out and i think the most interesting thing about three sides of one is that like this was news for a very long time yeah. like the fact that the guys were getting together and recording and they were really excited about working with michael parnin and they were you know, taking their time and making sure it was the best album and scratching songs that they didn't think were worth it. Like it was just like it, it scared the shit out of me because anytime bands make a big deal out of doing something like that after such a long hiatus, I'm just like, Oh, this is just, you know, going to set me up for disaster, you know, when it, when it comes out, you know, and then it was like, they were done the record forever. And I don't know what it was, whether they were sitting on it or mastering it, or they had legal issues that they had to deal with or whatever. But like, True. Yeah. this album was finished. And then all of a sudden Ty's like, well, you know, while we're waiting, I'm going to release my next solo album. Here you go. And <laughs> Doug's doing another project. And it's like, why are they busy releasing other things? They should be finishing three sides of one, right? We didn't even know what it was called. So um, I think the anticipation for this is you know some, uh, something that really scares me and almost instantly lets me down. So I, I was very very like cautious listening to you know Let It Rain when they released that as a single. I want to say that maybe um, Give It Up was also released at, at some point in time. Um, I just wanted to get I I resisted listening because I just wanted to get the whole record and and listen to it and kind of immerse myself into it. And, um, and, and like I mentioned to you guys, like I am just loving this record. And so I was, to me, it was so worth the wait and so inspiring to, you know, hear my three heroes just killing it on, uh, on the record. 
Paul, for the record, Let It Rain was released in June. Give It Up was released in July. And All God's Children was released in August. So, okay. There you go. There you go. Wow. I, I will say this. Like, you know, at risk of bringing a negativity into, into this discussion early on, I kind of feel like Inside Out shit the bed <laughs> on, on the pre-orders. I'm just going to say. Because I think I want to say this album was released like right before Labor Day weekend, and you know, listen, I, I, some of my bills, believe it or not, I still pay by check, but it's an electronic check that I fill out on my bank, you know, okay, whatever, yeah, and and I just put the m- numbers in, yeah, hit send, and they generate a paper check and send it to Pico or whatever, and it's it's for like the last year and a half, it's been saying, uh paper checks are taking like at least seven days longer to get to, you know, whoever you're sending it to. So we know that there's been a bit of an issue with, um, you know, carrier delivery and everything. And, and I, I will say wanting to experience this, I had, I ordered one of the super duper vinyls that the fucking awesome orange, like transparent flame thing or whatever. That with the, you spin it at forty five, you know, uh, RPMs or whatever. I was so fucking excited to get that thing, and it took forever. <laughs> I think it was released for two weeks before <laughs> it arrived, <laughs> and, and I, I just was so upset with Inside Out. I was like, they've been releasing this album for like two years. They knew when the re- how how did they not get the release date? Because a lot of times you you do these things and. The record shows up on the day of the release right. or sometimes the day after or whatever. Not this. This was like a two-week wait. And for many of my friends in, in you know, southeastern Pennsylvania and northern Delaware, uh, they, uh, they experienced the same type of delay. So that was, uh, that was disappointing. Oh, this harkens back to the Merillion conversation we had last time. There was a big hubbub about um, an hour before it's dark. And yeah, folks were complaining, particularly in the U.S., about shipments from the U.K. And my comment was, it's a new reality. I guess we just have to accept it. But uh, as a consumer, you have a right to have an opinion. I get thank, it. Thank you. And, and, and <laughs> I'm glad we got there, Paul, because I, I was remiss in doing the pre-order. And so I do not have any vinyl version of this, much less the super cool orange vinyl version. But while I was shopping around, the orange vinyl version, in addition to being fucking orange vinyl, which is badass, has a black cover instead of a white cover. Is that that correct? correct. That is correct. Would you like me to go get it so you can gaze upon it? I would love it if you would go get it so I can gaze upon it. (laughs) All right. Look at the grin on this guy's face. All right. Yeah. So here is the. Oh, that's just phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's got much more punch than it does on the white. Yeah. It's funny because I've been looking at this for so long now that I, like, when I go on Spotify and see white, I'm like, oh, it's like shocking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. What's cool also is you get a nice big picture of this back cover. Cool. Which is like a, you know, like this triangular window and this dude. Somewhat, the dude somewhat reminiscent of Black Like Sunday, which I think is ironic. Mm. Um, but uh, that's kind of a cool thing. Uh, it also came with a C, like a CD 
to listen to in the car. Some really cool pictures. I think this is probably in the CD booklet too. I don't, nice. I don't know that there's anything extra in here. Uh, there is, there's an insert. There's a couple inserts. A couple inserts, damn. So you get this, you know, the cool black cover mm -hmm. insert, which is like a booklet that has all the lyrics and, uh, and credits. And then this very cool thing. Now, this is one of the ones that are numbered. So I have number 0203. And um, it's just a card with, the, with that number on it. And then there's a, you know, the guys wrote handwritten notes oh. to, the fan, to the fans. And they copied them into that and, and put that in there. Well, very cool. Um, probably be remiss if I didn't actually show you some of the vinyl. Oh. Yeah, that is pretty badass. That oh. is awesome. It's so fucking cool. I so, <laughs> love it. So, uh, and, and like, I, this is the first, uh, as far as I know, I don't think anything in my, the inherited Dave Armstrong collection is like this, but this is two records and they spin at 45 RPMs for apparently for maximum quality. Mm hmm. Wow. And I think, Joe, you mentioned last week maybe that you didn't like that because you have to flip the record too many times. Yes. Um, but I, I will say, I actually, I think one of the things that I have enjoyed most about this is that um, listening to the record in chunks of three um, has been a really pretty fantastic experience. So, Three sides of one, you might say. Yes. <laughs> what, what did they do with the fourth side of vinyl? Uh, well, here they have another three songs because they split it up into three songs per side. But oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, you know, of all the you know special orders I've ever done, I think this is, without a doubt, one of the most satisfying. Uh, and every time I don't do a special order, something like this happens, and I, 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 <laughs> I have just regret there could be some available still who knows there is not i've looked oh really wow trust me so one quick thing before we get into the particulars and the record itself while we're talking about pre-orders and wonderful packaging i believe it's on the wiki page there is listed after the after the 12 tracks for three sides of one maybe it's not there where did i yeah. see it I forgot. I got this cool poster. <laughs> it, mm. That's cool, but it's white. You know, it's the white. It's the white version because they didn't the want. They didn't want me to be left out because I got the cool black cover. They wanted me to still have a white, a white cover. So, yeah. Sorry. Somewhere there's listing of three additional tracks. Um, April showers, lover, and Sally. Does anyone know anything about these? It is. Well, these are listed on the wikis. No, it doesn't appear on the wikis. Where did I see it? I wonder. I think it. I wonder if this was one of the one the of these three tracks they just chopped off because they didn't feel like they were up to speed. There are a couple super long interviews that I did not listen to uh, about the album. Interesting. Neither here nor there. All right. I'll tell you what, I, I I'm with you, Joe. I like the succinct. 46 minutes yeah you know it's, it's a tight Mark, record the mark anthony k strategy of yeah albums, right yeah that's awesome you know in terms of um context it's really interesting 
and progressive we all had, flavor. We all had breakfast burritos for uh, breakfast and um, hmm. ham sandwiches for lunch and hmm. King's X, right? Hmm. I'm, I'm just kidding because uh, the context is today. Yeah, That's it's all. yeah, it happens. Sorry, it happens so quickly. <laughs> And yet, it goes all the way back to 2010. Um, <laughs> three sides of one began as early as 2010. Years of slow progress had ensued due to each band member focusing on solo projects and or health issues. So we had Jerry's heart, we had Doug's lymph nodes, and we had, I don't know, Ty's finger, I guess. We had so many different things going on here. Yeah. The award for complications goes to Golden Robot Records, and I think in this day and age, it's 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 always all business is personal. So, you know, uh, you know, sorry to the men and women of Golden Robot Records, but I think they're the ones that really got this thing going, and then got a bad name for having it all stuck and inside out. Kind of salvaged this whole thing from Golden Robot, is my understanding. Well, thank you, Inside Out. Mm -hmm. I guess that evens out the poor distribution timing. Yeah, that's true. We could have not had it at all. Exactly. Now, okay. Now, all that being said, I, I don't want to read uh, uh, twelve years worth of releases that 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 King's X may have been inspired by. Uh, so, just chalk it up to. Um, King's X could have been influenced by just about anything in the last decade while composing this material. So if that's my handoff to the particulars, Three Sides of One was released September 2nd, 2022 on the aforementioned label Inside Out. It was, um, that's funny, it doesn't say who produced it. Who produced it, Paul? Michael Parnon. Michael Parnon. Oh, and, and, and he's amazing, right? I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. Personnel, as usual, include Doug Pinnock, Ty Tabor, and Jerry Gaskill. Track listing includes Let It Rain, Flood Part One, Nothing But the Truth, Give It Up, All God's Children, Take the Time, Festival, Swipe Up, Holidays, Watcher, she called me home and every everywhere. Now, sadly, the Wikipedia's uh, the opening section on this very very terse. Three Sides of One is the thirteenth studio album by American rock band Kings X, released on September second, two thousand twenty-two, through Inside Out Music and Sony Music. It is their first studio album in fourteen years since two thousand eight's fifteen, marking the longest gap between two studio albums in their career. Well, that was really informative. Thanks, there, appreciate there that. You go. <laughs> so, additional musicians are Vanessa Fairbairn Smith, cello on tracks two and six. That would be Flood Part 1 and Take the Time. Oh. Um, Jenny Takamatsu, violin on the same two tracks. Wally Farkas, background vocals on 4, 5, 8, 11, and group percussion on track 4. And Michael Parnon, group percussion on track 4, which is Give It Up. There you go. Michael Parnon did not make the wiki page, at least not yet. Uh, maybe we can inspire someone to edit it. Um, uh, but he's got a, a long 
career, working with people like uh, Nico Case, Steve Stevens, Doug Pinnock, solo material. So, so Doug was already thrilled with Michael. And I'm going to credit the Prague Report. Uh, Roy Avin over there got the three guys on early in September for an interview. And it, it, it's, it, it's pretty much unanimous among the three members of King's X that Michael kind of made this happen. All right. Well, that's cool. So Michael Parnon is a newcomer to the group, but... But he worked, he worked with Doug solo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And really key to that interview and the philosophy of making this album was that each song had its own treatment. They weren't just recycling guitar sounds mm. from song to song. It, if you notice, and it's hard not to, that uh, drum treatments and guitar treatments in particular vary a lot from track to track. And I, I think that's all for the better. I was going to say, how do we feel about that? I, I agree with you, Ken. I think it's all for the better. I do find it to be a, a little bit of a challenge at first, though, right? Because, um, you know, as we get into track by track, like there are some pretty, they span some pretty interesting places. And, um, you know, I mean, some of the things that we loved about you know, Dogman, King's X, uh, Faith, Hope, Love, Gretchen was the uh, incredible sound that it had and the, the, that you were in that, that sort of sound, even though those may sound a bit different. But I, I agree with you in the, in, the, in the overall analysis, it is refreshing to, to be back and forth into some of these different soundscapes that they have. I mean, the album itself varies between dirge grunge in places uh i hear even a little bit of black sabbath and all god's children but then again i hear the beatles and jellyfish and some of the stuff that yeah. that, that jerry's writing it's just treated appropriately for a song i don't i don't think you could have a template and just you know settings on the console that would just be the king's x song it wouldn't wouldn't have worked with this selection of uh, compositions yeah yeah yeah, and I think the the sort of breadth of the compositions is more noticeable here, maybe than in previous records. That I think maybe Paul, to your point, may have had more. Each album may have had more of a holistic identity. Um, I mean, this has an identity, but it does have perhaps more texture than we're used to from a King's X record. Now, our fourth Palaver member. Uh, isn't here, but he also hadn't really solidified his feelings on this, and, and he wasn't quite there. So does anyone want to comment on on why why for some really die-hard, you know, 30-year King's X fans that this isn't necessarily gelling? How could that be? I, I, honestly, I have no idea. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I... I've had difficulty understanding sometimes what pushes Tom's buttons and what doesn't. Um, when I listened to this, like I said, I was I was down on 15 in Ogretones, and I was a little bit hesitant about this. And I think this record is like self-evidently wonderful. And so how Tom, who 
you know, ostensibly has perhaps a greater appreciation overall of King's X than I do, could not appreciate this is, is interesting. Now, Tom has said before that sometimes he gets it in his head of what his expectations for a record are. And if the record doesn't meet that, even if it's a good record, his initial reaction is very negative. And, and so I, my, my hope is that's kind of what is happening here in that he was expecting something other than this. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I would, that's what I was going to say, Joe, is I think, I think it's expectations because it's certainly on all the fan pages and everything. There's plenty of folks who we talked about it in one of our other episodes who just wasted no time in shitting all over this. Um, and, and then others that just had trouble and, you know, were like, ah, I don't really like it. I, but I do think that, especially with, you know, with the situation with King's X, you know, so many of us got in early, right? And, and you know, we hold Gretchen to be, you know, one of the greatest accomplishments of, of our age. Other people think Dogman this, in the same light. And then yet still there's other people who came in to the manic moonlight and yeah. and Mr. Bulbous and like those are the ones that they so so like no matter where you are on that that spectrum you you develop some sort of expectations and I am willing to say that three sides of one probably did not meet any of them right and <laughs> and, and and I and it can be tough and that's that's why I excited the opening that. I resisted the urge to even really get into the singles when they were released because I just wanted to like give the album a listen. I've shared I've I have trouble with an hour before it's dark. To me, the expectations were just not. I mean, I just haven't been able to get into it. I felt the same way about Tool. Tool is my favorite album, and I think it closely parallels this and that. Inoculum, whatever, was like twelve years in the making. And it basically sounds like the sophomore album to Lateralist. Wow. And, and, and that's my opinion, obviously. I mean, it just, when I heard it, I was just like, really? Like, it took 12 years to make a carbon copy? And, mm -hmm. and you know, like, so, so. It had I, that one amazing song, but yeah. Yeah. Schism? No. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but, but, um, you know, like so for so for uh, yeah, this I, I, it's just one of those things. People, it's you know, grow these expectations for bands that they just love, and it's a, set yourself up for disappointment. I think. I'm glad I asked. Good feedback. Um, Tom's got to come around. I mean, we'll disown him if he doesn't. I don't understand. <laughs> I, it is hard. I think it might be hard to to. Um, you know, like we, like the way we've bashed on like the Steve Howe version of Yes for the slow tempos and the way that they, you know, I mean, here's a musician and a group of musicians that we absolutely adore, and and we just without hesitation just like rip them apart for things that that they do. It it is difficult, I think, to listen to your favorite artists for who they are and. And, you know, just be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, again, for, for me, part of what 
part of what I like about this, and, and I mentioned it earlier, is there's once again a sense of space in the music. My, again, I haven't listened to them in a very long time, but my impressions of Overtones and 15 was that of musical claustrophobia. There was just no room for anything. It was all just like piled on and mixed yeah. up. And, you know, when a five-year-old mixes all their paint colors and comes up with brown, like that's just how I feel about those records. And with this record, you know, I'm able to to slide around in between what Jerry and, and Ty and Doug are doing musically and vocally yeah. and, and explore, you know, you can look at different sides depending on what you want to, you want to mm -hmm. see and you can pick out things. And, and that's what I really enjoy. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of every sound on this record, but the fact that I can differentiate those sounds and I don't, have a headache when I'm done is a good mm -hmm. thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Production matters. Um, I I'm the guy, if, if I could make a King's X album, it would sound something like this. If I could make a yes album, it would sound like heaven and earth. Um, uh, and sometimes that leaves me really, really disappointed. Sometimes it makes me not even want to record my own stuff. Cause I'm just like, why bother? Cause beautiful things happen and the world just knocks it down. But, but <laughs> it's a very sad perspective, Ken. <laughs> yeah, it's true, though, yeah. But, but you know, God, m melody persists and ideas persist. And, and I think three sides of one is a peak, one of the peaks in melody and concept where they, they're getting ideas across. In, a, in addition to rocking out. And maybe as we go through the song, we can reflect on some of these lyrics. That's interesting, Ken, and I'm, I'm very curious to get into it, and we probably should get into it because there are 12 tracks we have to go through. But generally speaking, like, as I was preparing for this and I sat down with the lyrics, like, I get the gist usually, but... Uh, I have a lot of notes in here which basically say, eh, the lyrics don't really do it for me. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I think the, the cool thing about the, the different treatment for each song is that, and is that whether I'm correct or not in, as I listen, like I feel like I'm like, oh, uh, this is a Doug song. Oh, this yeah. is a Jerry song. Oh, this is where in their previous efforts, you didn't always have an idea of who was writing what. Yeah. Um, and in fact, sometimes I'm shocked to find out that, you know, you know, like a song like Thinking and Wondering, like Doug wrote, like I, you know, just fascinating to me. So I, that part I really have enjoyed, particularly uh, on this record, the Jerry songs are just wonderful. Wow. And I'm hoping you guys can can point me in the direction of the Jerry songs because I think I know at least two of them, and I'm responding exceptionally well to them, which is a little unusual. Hmm. One last aside before we get in, because I know we just have to keep distracting ourselves. Nothing to do with three sides of one, but in preparation for or in celebration for tonight's episode, on the way home from work, which is a relatively short drive, I threw in Dogman, which I'm pretty oh. sure I have not listened to since we did our episode on it way back when. 
And let me just tell you, the first three tracks of Dog Man are fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, that was that was just that was a very very enjoyable you know That's fifteen awesome. minutes. So just wanted to put that out there. I'm a flies and blue skies guy. I don't know how you put in Dog Man didn't listen in the track four. So with Let It Rain, like, and I remember that again that Saturday morning where I listened to the the single for the first time. And that's one thing, but but Paul, like you, I always like to think of something or experience a song in the context of the record. And I, I think this is just a, a great way to open the record. And, you know, whether you're listening to a single or the opening of, a, of, a, of an album, it shouldn't really make a difference. It's the first thing you hear. But it to me, it does matter a little bit. And I love the sort of the slow buildup as you get in here. So you get Ty and Jerry, and then you get the, the the vocals coming in, and then you get just the fucking chorus just shreds your face, and then it come you know then it kind of steps back a little bit and builds up again. I just I love the way they do that, and you know after so many years, I think Doug sounds really good here, and so here right right out of the gate, right there's something about the vocal line that you know, reminds me of King's X past. And my next note is lyrically, there isn't much here, but it works. <laughs> so, you know, and, and maybe there's just such a, a sparseness of the lyrics on this record that I, you know, maybe I'm just looking for more. I don't know. And I described it as sparse and dense at the same time, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm particularly fascinated with like 16th note syncopations and and like I I mean it's pretty much all that Jerry is playing throughout the whole song and it's just fucking killer. And um I it is a it is an interesting opening because so many King's X tunes uh, uh, you know, opening al- opening tunes, the albums just like fucking punch you right in the face, like instantly, you know, one way or another. And this one does build up, which I th- which I think is interesting. But man, the guitar, the opening guitar is just with those chords and the mm-hmm. warbling business uh, are beautiful. And then the little like Led Zeppelin-y part um, uh, with the bass, you know, in the chorus. The it just, uh, just it kicks ass, and you know, honestly, for the words, I'm too I'm too busy listening to the guitar to even really be that concerned about the lyrics. Um, <laughs> it's such an awesome Thai album, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is a fucking beast all over this record, um, and this is just like scratching the surface. Like my my vibe as soon as I hear. Let it rain as the opening track is Doug's back. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Doug song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> responding to your point, Joe, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to pin songs, uh, uh, you know, apparently whoever sings lead on this album probably wrote it. I think, I think <laughs> that's the vibe we're going for because clearly the, the wikis doesn't have it. I, I don't, I don't know if your orange vinyl has anything specific to that. It doesn't, doesn't really have any, anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's funny. Um, we don't know what they're doing with their publishing. 
Remember back in the day when Van Halen would just share all the publishing rights mm-hmm. and credit every song to the band? <laughs> yeah, I think the general uh, feeling is that, you know, they're not making any money off any of this. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, no one makes any money off of music anymore. Uh, you have to it, tour and it does say good. just all songs written by King's X. And all songs are copyrighted by 2021 Groove, or copyright 2021 Groove Ulysses Music. All rights reserved worldwide. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, they're a, in it together. Group effort. Okay. Yeah, no more Robbie Robertsons of the band who had all the publishing and everyone else had none. So, um, uh, the concept, Let It Rain, um, He's not taking sides, but he's really passionate that life is very difficult for us now, whether he's, you know, going after the pandemic or politics or war or what. Uh, He's he's contemplating if uh, the Great Flood is possibly better than what we have now it's it, it's a it's a scary little proposition but not completely unfounded yeah i think it it melts well into the next song which which i dig i dig the 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 fun sort of i i dig i i, I don't i'll just i think it feels the same right i like the juxtaposition of the of the um chorus of flood part one right i used to think all we needed was love now i think we need a flood yeah um because you know we're you know for so many years we heard what i'll say you know sort of a spiritualistic type of uplifting sense of love and you know sort of that that greatness that that king's x has always had you know simmering in their music and in their ideas and and even when you see Doug live and he does his little sermons and the thing, like, you know, there's that, there's that sort of anger, you know, within him that, that's really, but, but spouting love and, and fellowship. So it's just kind of, I like it from, from him specifically. Um, and in this context, I kind of like that idea of like, you know, everybody wants to say their bit um, and everyone wants to be okay with it and and you know just let it rain and and then going into you know the next song like maybe what we really need is just to start all over again yeah it's it's funny you bring that up paul because you know if we can move on over into flood part one which i think it is a a a nice segue that that line i used to say all we needed was love now i'm thinking that all we need is a flood like what a shocking sentiment to be coming out of of king's x and doug pinnock right yeah and 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 the fact that it is so shocking makes you kind of sit up a little bit and go oh shit what's what's going on here um but unapologetically um, you know, I have a very, very long history of being fixated on the Sisters of Mercy album Floodland, which has 
Flood 1 and Flood 2. So when I see Flood Part 1, I automatically think of that, which is completely a non sequitur. Um, mm. But there it is. Um, but this this song, you know, I there's, again, there's so much about it that sort of recommends it. Th- that beautiful chunky intro which to me feels very faith hope love king's x-ish um you know something in, in that era and then you get into that that super smooth cello vocal part and you're just like oh god are you kidding me <laughs> i mean I just yeah these uh, just this this album is so fucking good I mm-hmm. I almost never never take notes uh for these. But uh, but when I was listening to this thinking about, you know, what we were going to talk about, I had I had to write this down because I didn't want to forget to say it to you guys. And I just wrote sounds like Degent meets the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Cuz I cuz I do. I feel like I'm hearing like, you know, this dan to dan and then all of a sudden I feel like it's the it's like the chili peppers from like mother's milk. <laughs> That's awesome. I would not have thought that, Paul. But but the harmonies really in this song are are you know like you like you to me harken back to like uh, faith, hope, love too. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and 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 there's you know there, like I said there are there are musical cues that take you back to different points in the catalog, and you know the voices are older. And the songs are maybe a little less boisterous, but yeah, I mean, you get those sort of classic King's X vocal harmonies, and you're like, "Oh, I remember that. I love that." Yeah. Yeah. I like the Degent uh, reference, and you know, chalk it up to uh, um, Doug plays with you know the drummer from Corn on occasion. He goes to Corn shows, and he's he's a kid at heart and he's a rocker and uh this is isn't an influence where i would expect it to end up in king's x but it's really cool that it does um and and as for doug's bass it is always the growling pit bull underneath the king's x <laughs> music. Yeah. that that bass is always ready to to to, to, to snarl at you i love that I like having Doug kind of on the offensive. Um, I, I, I like him starting the album, but I also love that just m- melodic part of it. You know, the way he sings "Flood" as a, a little melisma between a couple different notes. It's just, it's just all, all the sides, all the Dugs. You can't have too many dogs. <laughs> All the personalities. Uh, I'll leave it there. All right. Shall we move on to nothing but the truth then? Oh, yeah. hell yeah. Yes. So here again, we get more of this sparseness. And my note says there's there's so much space here that's been missing. It's not as crisp, but I feel so much better here. That's interesting. Mm. And I say that the vocals here are so enjoyable. I love this in all caps. And, oh, this is the first time they do this, what, twice in this record? 
where they give you like the fake out ending halfway yeah. through the track. And you're thinking, oh, that was very pleasant. And then you're like, wait a second, what's going on here? Yeah. Which is very cool. Like, I'm not exactly sure why they, like, I can get doing it once. Why they did it twice, I think, is a little maybe confounding. Well, I I imagine, uh, you know, it was late in the studio and uh, Doug and Jerry left. And uh, Michael said, hey, Ty. (laughs) <laughs> Let's cue this up. Let's rip a few solos here. See what happens. <laughs> and they just, because, you know, like the thing that I, that this song I love is that it gives me sort of a sunshine rain vibe. Like, yeah. And, and, and Ken, like, flies in blue skies, like that sort of like totally. sparse dog man. But, you know, and particularly if you're listening to the vinyl with three songs on each side, like, this is the third song. This is, you know, this is finishing up and you're like, you've been in a couple different places now, you know, with these three songs. And then you get to that fake ending, Joe. And if you had thought at this point, Ty Tabor was just fucking around with a phaser pedal and like practicing his degent skills. <laughs> it's like, wow. I mean, and, and like, it's not just Ty Tabor melting your face off. Like, I feel like this is some of the best guitar solo work that Ty Tabor has ever done on this record. I mean, he is a fucking beast throughout. And this is like your first taste of it, really. And, um, ah, just like, it's just like, ah, ah, splooge, right? It's just wonderful. And and it shows up in a place where you you think you're done, right? You're like, okay, great. And wait, no, you're not. Oh, and the sound that they created there, I mean, that's pretty Gretchen, right? Yeah. It's pretty vintage, right? Yeah. It's 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 35 years ago. It's a beautiful thing. This is the mono version of the the classic uh uh tie, but I, I forget, we can find it maybe later, but but there's a like a stereo guitar version of the classic tie that happens later on in the album mm-hmm. that I remember being yeah. real fucking amazing too yeah 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 oh my god he's just he's just shredding he's just doing it and the backing vocals are behind the guitar solo giving you that kind of godly feel it's wonderful yeah yeah it's very satisfying very satisfying and so now we'll flip the vinyl over if we're paul and we'll go into the second group of three and we'll start with give it up and I'm like, at this point, I'm so overwhelmed that my notes degenerate into just <laughs> like nothing. Literally, give it up. I have this song is a killer. So tasty. I just love it. That's all I've got because I'm just like, I'm so immersed in just enjoying myself <laughs> that I can't even like create coherent thoughts to write down on paper. Well, how about that opening guitar lick? Yeah. Oh my it, god. It, it it is <laughs> it is so badlands. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god, it's like Jake E. Lee. It's just like oh it tribute. Literally to the- transports me into my, my escort listening to the Badlands cassette. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and and even like the riff is like a 
chunk a chunk of chord kind of a, a riff. Yeah. It's yeah. totally unexpected for me at least. Yeah. 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 That, 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 that's incredible. And just, just, just the way they treat the vocals in here, there's some yeah. the wonderful gang vocals as they, as, as they build it up and it's the King's X expected size. They're not, you know, it's not the too many Gettys gang vocal. Right. Right. It's just the right amount. Yeah. It sounds like it's just the three of them singing in unison rather than, you know, 16 yeah. tracks of the three of them singing. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really beautiful. But I think this, yeah, I think this song, there's all that uh, screaming and yelling, right? And, you know, like we were used to hearing back in the day with, uh, with Doug Pinnock. And I think he's in there, but I think Wally Farkas is doing a lot of that uh, excessive... Um, on the vocals there yeah okay and i will say in in the very beginning it starts out with just guitar and drums and doug is doing the snarling puppy bass slams so that that's or or i sometimes i call the snarling dragon i love it i can't i i just can't imagine like that like it's it's fucking genius right because it's the snarling dragon and what makes it so incredible is that is is when he doesn't play it, right? right. Like he plays like dun dun. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and then it like exactly. sits there. Yeah, and you and you want it to come back. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and like like I I confess, like if I was standing on stage and I had that snarling dragon in my hand, I'd be fucking overplaying the <laughs> shit out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is definitely the fun side of King's X. <laughs> And the key, the key changes in here, like what they do to build up to the chorus, it's yeah. totally unexpected. It, it's really brilliant. I, I do think this is, a, this is one of those songs, though, right? This is a single, right? So if you're like someone who loves, you know, Gretchen Goes to Nebraska and, and like Faith, Hope, Love, you might hear this and think, ah, this is not really what, what I was looking for, right? Just because of the, like, like the gang vocals and the Badlands, it's kind of because like the thing that was so cool about Gretchen and Faith, Hope, Love is that every like everyone was playing guitar like Badlands, right? Mm-hmm. Like not not that anyone was like Jakey Lee, but like you know that was the that was the that was the alternative sound, right? To to the to the pop metal when King's X showed up, it was like nobody sounded like them, right? And now here they are, kind of you know evoking those. And like here we are loving it and going gaga over it, but I could definitely see how like you might be like, ah, this isn't what I wanted to hear as a single, right? Because it's not in the context of an album you're just listening to. So I'm just throwing it out there because we talked about yeah that earlier. So just to be clear, I fucking love it. I love it. I love it. Right. It, 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 there is a tremendous sincerity, gravitas. Uh, penitence feeling of, of King's X where everything is kind of serious and give it up kind of poops on that right but fuck it <laughs> <laughs> you know there's nothing wrong with letting that go sometimes <laughs> so Paul I think that's an interesting segue into 
one of my first notes about all God's children, which, and I, and I sort of, I, I alluded to this in the opening statements, but to me, all God's children feels very much like a modern Gretchen ghost in Nebraska. To me, it's very dramatic. There's a huge amount of musical tension. The way that the, that Doug and Ty are musically sort of playing around each other and sort of coming in and out of phase with each other, as it were. Um, I just, I find so much here to, to, to sort of just wallow in a little bit that, you know, it's, it, if, if give it up is, you know, the anti King's X, then all God's children is very much the King's X. Mm. Yeah. That's an awesome call out. I, I, you know, sometimes I get these vinyl records and I'm like, ah, does it sound better than like, but no, I don't know. But like the first time I listened to this on the vinyl, like I'm just sitting in the, on the couch, cranking it. And it gets to the, the first time they do the down, 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 down. And they, they do the run again and he gets the low D. I just was like, oh, this sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> and that, you know, that low D, which is what, I guess it's a low C with, with, with the way they're tuned. I mean, it just, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it is like King's X to a T. Oh, let's, let, let, let's make a call out to the low C tuning. It sounds like they've, settled in the last three three tours you know on 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 this tuning and they're actually fortunate enough to be writing in these tunings so uh i think it's the most and uh, a simpatico way to go about using these tunings like like they've really found the right gauge strings and they really found <laughs> what resonates correctly and they figured out how to record it in a studio and it you know because i guess there were times where i'd maybe go to a show and think, oh, something's a little dirty here. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not getting that feeling at all from this album. Dude, that's an amazing point because you're right. When you hear the the classics, you know, that especially like on their early records that were in the, when they were tuned at pitch and you hear them do it tuned to low C, it is a little, and it's it's like it's like Genesis, right? It's like you're, you're like, why is it so easy to sing this song with Phil Collins? But, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't with the guitars, and it just doesn't. You know, the harmonies, like there is, you're like, it's got that different feel to it. You're absolutely right. You don't get that feeling at all. Everything is is sounding just like it should here. You're right. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it, it's nice that they that they. Uh, it, it took a while to get here, but they they arrived beautifully yeah. here yeah. i love all god's children and and I, I i made a reference to to black sabbath um in the first couple times i had it on i was just like oh yeah this kind of rocks it reminds me of Gretchen goes Nebraska. maybe the third and fourth listens i actually had a really chilling experience with with the music melding with ty's words this is kind of like a throwback to mission right mm -hmm. where 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 it's a call out to religion but this is an even more sinister take on that. And it kind of stopped me in my tracks and, and it's given me, you know, much to ponder. And similar to what I said about Doug, Ty's not taking sides. He's not being specific, but he's, he's really conveying the feeling that he has 
where religion falls short in the face of some overwhelming realities. Now, he could be making a reference, you know, to the pandemic swirling around us. He could make a reference to actually something toxic in the water. It's not clear when, when, when he goes to torches. I don't know if that's Charlottesville. I don't know what he's trying to poke at here. Uh, but he, he really pushed my buttons on this. And, and I think this is the one, the one song where, you know, I would agree with you that I thought these lyrics were sort of extremely evocative and thought provoking. So I'm on board. Yeah. The vocals after the chorus, you know, the Oz, I just love hearing that shit again. Yep. You know? And the end of this is like, you know, the, like Doug's, you know, talking in the background, you know, talking about, I can't remember what he says, but it's like, look to, I think he says something like, look to the skies for redemption or something like that in the, like a radio voice. Ty's got these great guitar things going with the strings and then, and Doug's playing these wonderful like bass melodies. Like it's just such a great, and, I, and I, I'll confess the first time I heard this i just kind of let it go past me you know listening to it in the car it wasn't until i really had that experience in the living room but so good and this one ken this they played this one live right when you saw saw them oh unfortunately i didn't get to see this last tour oh you didn't you didn't go either no i didn't go either oh wow okay so um take the time is this our first jerry song it's gotta be it's It's gotta gotta be, be right yeah yeah, so, and, and I love this because it feels completely different for King's X. I haven't heard King's X do this. I don't know that I've I've heard anything like this. I don't really remember Jerry's vocals, like, you know, this obviously being Jerry. But I love this, and it, mm. it while it's, completely different for King's X, it seems to fit in this milieu so wonderfully. Mm. And it's like, it's a new, it, it, it's like a new flavor and a favorite dish that just enhances it somehow. And you're going, wait, I've never tasted that before. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> he nailed it. He really did. Yeah. I'm you a- don't, you don't often hear the major seven chord, uh, featured in, um, and King's X tunes. At least I don't think you do. There you go. Um, and and listen, I'm just a fucking sucker for electric twelve string, uh, pretty much any time. So uh, this this was without a doubt like the first song listening to you know the record the first first time through that I just was like, oh, I think I'm going to listen to that one again. Hold on. <laughs> um, it's it's just beautiful. You know, the the words all around the burning down, upstate, back down, turnaround, city lights, then back to me. Lying on a cold, hard floor, not one thought of mine or yours. I mean, live or die. He goes, well, we'll have to see. Yes, we'll have to see. She just has to see me make it through the night. Like that is like just knowing what he's been through as far as like. Nice. Hard, hard problems like it's just really like is that what he's writing about there it's like holy fuck it's so powerful 
And then the strings at the end just kind of put it over the top. It's just, uh, yeah. And it's just cool that he said the words burning down. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, immediately you hear that and your ears go, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. This, this would be side B of the, of the first vinyl. And I do believe this is my favorite side of, of the whole record. These, these three tunes here are just yeah. um, I, powerhouse. I could, I could totally see that. It's practically a awesome. festival. It is practically a festival. <laughs> Ken, excellent segue, my friend. It's almost like we've been doing this for almost six years. <laughs> so festival is funny, right? Like this is one of those songs that I hear the, the title, I hear the song, I hear the lyrics, and my initial reaction is to say, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> now, understand it's not stupid, because I get what, what uh, Ty is singing about here. But my initial reaction is, I don't want to like this song. I want to dismiss this song. But the song is too much fun to dismiss and not like. So I find myself having to sing along and enjoy myself, which annoys me to a certain degree. I think that's awesome. Um, I, I will say this particular track uh, is extra jarring if you're <laughs> listening on streaming or CD because after the, the, the beautiful lushness of Take the Time, mm -hmm. it's really nice yeah. to have that couple minutes where the record stops. You have to go walk over, take right. the record off, take the new record out, flip it up. And then when you go through all that and drop the needle and you hear sort of the distorted, like John Lennon-esque yeah. Yeah. beginning, nice. you're, you're like, fucking A, let's go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think you're kind of right, Joe. Like, like a little... it's. It, at first, you're like, okay, what what is this? And and it's a lot of fun. So, what the one of the interesting things? I don't know if you guys were the ones who tipped me off, or it was uh, if it was a, uh, you know, my local crew up here. But someone tipped me off on watching the Woodstock '99 uh, show uh, documentary. Okay, you guys watch that? No, it's been all the rage. Um, weren't there three Woodstocks? And there were three Woodstocks, the, the the original. Then there was the ninety two or ninety three when King's X played. Okay, and it, and it rained and everybody got muddy. And right. then there, there was ninety nine was a shit show where they just did it to make money and it was underfunded and it was understaffed and everything. Right. And, and yes, and like everybody burned everything and it was really ugly. And there's this great documentary about about uh, that whole thing and sort of shining a bright light on the, the people who ran it, how they just basically cut every corner they could because they were just making money and how people were just completely gouged and how really they just threw, they literally hosted a big party for 100,000 people and were basically like, nah, you know. The, you know, fingers crossed, everybody will, will survive and be okay. So, like, I couldn't help but, I mean, I had just watched it, like, uh, you know, before this record came out. So, I couldn't help but connect that in my mind. I'm, I'm sure the lyrics are trying to call about something much, much deeper. No, I think there's a double meaning here. Because when he says, 
Uh, you said how many people, how many people. Yeah, I'm thinking that's something we should worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, and, like there's a double meaning in this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I was, I, I had the question written down if you guys knew if this was about a specific festival or just general festivals. Like, I, I wasn't aware necessarily of this Woodstock 99 thing. I have heard tales of, you know, other festivals gone awry for whatever reasons due to, you know, shady promoters or, or whatever the case may be. So I, you know, I'm, I, I just wasn't aware if, if Ty was singing about some specific incident or the general phenomenon here, but like, I get what he's, he's, he's singing about. And that's why, you know, I said, it's, it's not really stupid because he's addressing things like this, right? Because if people go to these festivals and they die, well, that's not good. Right. Um, right. On top of all the other, you know, um, you know, financial malfeasance and everything else that you can get into. If you don't stop and think about it, it does have an almost frivolous feel about it with the way the lyrics are presented and the, the, the overuse of the word festival and like, and, but even that, right? Like, as I'm saying that, I'm feeling like an ass because I appreciate, you know, the 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 way that, you know, Ty is communicating that level of fervor, right? Like, mm. you know, so I, I get it. I honestly get it. Like I said, just my initial knee-jerk reaction is, God. But it's, yeah. too, it's too good to dismiss. Yeah. Mm, the most famous festival scam, the Fire Festival mm -hmm. in yes. 2017, yeah. could also be an influence here. Exactly. And wasn't there a documentary on that as well? I believe so. So, lots of different options. Sorry. I just, I just wanted to throw in that the other, the, I was, I've, all, I've kind of also wondered if it has to do with imagery uh, or metaphors for you know, some of the riotous gatherings we've seen, uh, you know, over the last several years. Yeah. Um, if, if there, if this was a sort of a metaphor towards the, of something like that as well. That's it, that. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's certainly open to that interpretation as well. Okay. So swipe up. I'm loving the intro. It's very heavy without being ponderous, but here again, uh, I'm not sure about the lyrics here. But I do like the vocals. Nobody can leave the internet alone when it comes <laughs> in prog rock. <laughs> it's, it's required. <laughs> it, is this King's X Microsoft in tears? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> yes, or putting their message in a modem in <laughs> 2022. <laughs> boy i mean but i'm am i wrong about the the vocal line itself like it's it's very appealing the sounds but you just don't i, I yeah okay great yeah okay not a whole lot to say about swipe up fair enough yeah I, I, it's, it's a little fun. bit i think it's a little obvious right the words are a bit more obvious and after after the last couple you know depths that we've had it's it is just a bit bit there that's all yeah I think that's very fair to say. 
I don't know. Is this the equivalent to all that havoc at the end of Dogman? What do they do to close out that record? Isn't oh. there a lot of noisy stuff there? I seem to remember having bad things to say about that noise. Ah, yeah. <laughs> they do uh, throw in another little piece of Easter egg candy, and they say, destroy left and right, blur, black the sky. Black so that's the sky. Kind of it's kind of fun that they've, they've done that a couple times. I mean, I do appreciate. I mean, he says, destroy left and right, blur, black the sky. Information tailor made for me, lightening up as far as I can see. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's, art, he's actually being very articulate and concise in the message here. And, and the end is wonderful. I mean, how they kind of have the vocals trail out the end of this. It's actually really nice. So we will finish out this side of vinyl with Holidays. It's another song that I feel like I shouldn't like, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I ask myself at this point, do I not, do I just not like Ty right now? And I feel bad about that. Um, but I don't think that's really the case. I think. Well, um, I, I think wait this, this, this holidays is, another, is Jerry. Is, Jerry is Jerry song. okay? Yeah. Well then, I mean, I think there are only two Jerry songs on here. I think yeah, I think these are the two big Jerry songs that I. It's incredible. So so yeah. wait, it's she, more jellyfish and jellyfish. It's amazing. It's more jellyfish than <laughs> jellyfish because it starts off really happy holidays, Saturdays, yeah. and you're thinking it's great, and then he's talking about. The, the lies satisfy the lies and you're like oh holy shit he did that thing that they do the yeah sonic dissonance thing that they do oh oh they got me i love it yeah the chorus the chorus on this is just so delightful oh. when they break into it with the harmonies and everything it, it, it you said it ken it's more jellyfish than jellyfish and i could <laughs> listen to it all day and it's yeah really great it it you know, again, because there's only three songs on the side, I probably, I, you know, I listen to Swipe Up because it's in between festival and holidays. Right. right. And, and <laughs> You're kind of forced to at that point. And it, it works. It's, you know, four minutes of great fun on the guitar. And then, you know, you get to this beautiful melodic stuff. It's just so great. There was a period in the 90s, in the late 90s, where even grunge bands... We're kind of going Beatlesque. What didn't Stone Temple Pilots have a Beatlesque album that I remember buying at one point, or at least a few songs in there? Yeah, I yeah, I mean they definitely had some some like Beatlesque influences. I'd say. I yeah. feel like this nails what that period was trying to do. I, I feel like wow, this is this is got the, I you know the the guitar sounds aren't huge. It sounds like a Vox amp in your face. Um, you know, it's just enough to be really kick ass without ruining the whole mix. Kind of like, kind of like, you know, Jason Faulkner would do with Jellyfish or Beck or something, where it's just that really wonderful single coil pickup sound that just makes me salivate. Fucking righteous guitar solo while, while we're at it. Fucking oh, it righteous. Is this the one? Is this the the one where the, he does the? Uh, it it's almost vintage tie, but it's in stereo. It is kind of 
stereo-ish, but there's some harmonies in there. I don't know if I don't think it's the stereo one. I don't know. I don't think it is. I think there's another one where I think she called me home is that one, but okay, I could be wrong. The she called me home is the other like uh, fake ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Shall we flip this uh, this second disc over to the last side of vinyl, Paul? Let's do it. Watcher. I'm curious what you guys have to say about Watcher. I I generally like what what Ty is doing here, and and you know Doug and Jerry are kind of playing the straight men to a certain degree, but like, what's the intention here? Is this supposed to be some sort of sinister song in the vein of Intruder or Gonna Get Close to You? Is it a paparazzi song? Like, I I, I maybe I just haven't spent enough time to figure it out. I I don't know exactly how I should feel about this, how seriously I should take this. I, 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 I'm a little conflicted. I like it. I, I just don't know what to give it back in return. Wow. That's a lot of questions, Joe. I know, right? Um, yeah. Like this one, you know, as soon as I heard it, it struck me as like, okay, this is like, you know, this is the most King's X sounding song if you will, I think, on this whole record, right? I mean, it literally sounds like they were like, hey, remember that song? We left off the self-titled album. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. It's even got the tambourine going in the background and stuff, which, you know. (laughs) uh, And it is almost like that, you know, like that some of that hippie, hippie fun, weird lyrics, like, like, I can't help it, you know, I just can't help it, whatever, like some. I have no idea what what it is, but it's fucking the guitars. Yeah. Oh, the guitars, freaking yeah. phenomenal. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah, I wonder what this is. He might be back to like an orange amp or something because it's it's very yeah. High. Like like you were saying, it's it's so very the most King's X on here. Oh yeah. Oh, when he starts a solo and he's in yeah, the yeah. low range and it's got that grimy little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What was that, Ken? There's <laughs> a, a patch. It's called Grimy. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. It, like I said, it's one of those things. That I, 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 I don't know. I love it. I just, I don't know what to do with it. So that's good enough. That, yeah. I'll give you uh, what you said about the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. The lyrics are, I got no interpretation here. And it's just. Well, yeah, and, and the vocal delivery doesn't necessarily give you any clues either. Like, it starts out and it feels sinister, but it gets into the chorus, if I recall correctly, and it kind of dissipates all of that. And, like, it could be some little frolic. I, I don't know. It could be tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Mm. But it is exceptionally enjoyable. Love it. Like, yes, it here is. again. Like, here we are, 10 tracks in, and I'm like, I'm having a grand old time in this yeah. King's X album. This is perfect. Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. So if we move on to She Called Me Home, I thought this was another Jerry song. You guys are suggesting maybe it's not. Is it a Thai song? Yeah, actually, I think you're right. I feel like this is a Jerry song as well. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. It's got to be. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be. Yeah. Trifecta. 
Okay, so so Jerry gets gets three because this was another one that I absolutely like responded to, and I responded to because it there's a a certain sinister feel to this. Um, I the the rhythm is interesting, and it's another one of these these fake out endings that just kind of goes into this utterly fantastic sort of extended outro or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. And, and like I said, here again, I've, I've never in all of the years I've been listening to King's X, I've never really sat down and said, you know, that Jerry Gasco, he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It, yeah. And, and like, you know, I, this is where I like, you know, the only really song that I really ever thought I remember Jerry writing or featuring Jerry was American cheese. Um, and I think maybe six broken soldiers. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say six broken soldiers. Yeah, but you wonder like how much uh, you know that we just couldn't figure out was him back in the day because you know they all sounded probably a little younger and yeah, he and Ty probably sounded more similar than than you know distinguishable as they are now. But I don't. Yeah, he. It really is. It's it's almost like finally Jerry got his due. Yeah, you know? exactly. Oh, they said that in the Prague Report interview where where Doug makes this appeal to Jerry, really. He's like, after the album came out, people either told Doug or wrote to Doug and said, oh, I think the Jerry songs are the best. And it's so funny. I, you know, I think of our Jay kind of simpatico with uh, Jerry kind of you know, the, the very chill drummer in the back. And Jerry made this 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 comment like, oh, I never want to go on the road. I only want to stay home. I never, never want to make a new album. I never want to do anything. And Doug used this opportunity to say, well, you never want to do anything, but when you do, you shine. <laughs> ah, that's great. <laughs> well, the one interview that I heard, I think before the album came out, uh, you know, they asked them about, you know, what the highlights were of the album for them. And Jerry sort of said tongue in cheek. He's like, well, I, I think all of my songs are the, the best. <laughs> on, on <laughs> but, you know, I, I kind of agree. Yeah, I kind I, of agree. Absolutely. Like I said, they they really stuck out to me. Um, at least two of the three did. Um, I mean, I, I like Holidays, but I wasn't paying attention to it as a, as a Jerry song. So very cool. Oh yeah, this track finally hits that the guitar solo with the amazing oh, yeah. panning effect. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, pretty, yeah. yeah, pretty uh righteous. Yeah, I mean like I I mean I, I think I've probably said it three or four times, but the, the this Ty Tabor on this record is just uh, at tops. Tops. He says all, tops. All he needed was uh yeah. All he needs is the most expensive producer you can get. That's all I needed. <laughs> <laughs> and so we finish up this delightful record with Every Everywhere. Maybe it's not the most King's X song, but it is a very nice King's X song. A, a delightful way to end the record. We've got vocal harmonies. We've got, you know, musical dynamics. We've got all the things that we know and love. Um, it, I, I'm... I am not going to sing the praises as this is the best song on the album, 
Um, but you know, I'm perfect, you know, okay, great. Wonderful way to, to finish the record. I don't know that it, it overwhelms me with massive impressions. I, but I don't, I'm very satisfied. I don't know about you guys. I, I think the most curious thing about this whole song is the ending. Cause you're not really expecting it to end. Yeah. And, and it does. Well, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. You should say that. Cause I was, I was listening to this on <laughs> Apple music today, you know, kind of just going through it again. And, you know, before you can even realize that the songs ended, like, you're you're realizing you're listening to something else and you're like wait hang on i didn't even get a chance to like you know turn my head to my phone and hit this the pause button yeah it's it's like it's like beatles length uh you know it's a couple minutes yeah yeah Yeah, it's a satisfying way to end i i think um you know but yeah you know don't really have much more to say about it yeah uh, than that i mean could I could, ha- go ahead ken could it have been a lead-off tune i mean the way it's so concisely produced the way it's so short i'm wondering if parnan thought this was a lead-off radio track and the band made him put it at the end <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just about to say they could have ended with um, she called me home and I would have been fine, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I feel like this could have gone somewhere else in the album, but it, it works every, everywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> that one kind of set itself up. So, so there we are. We we've now blown through four sides of 45 RPM, 12 inch vinyl. And um, we've we've spent three quarters of an hour doing so, and we are extremely happy and satisfied that we have our latest King's X record, the first in low these 14 years. It's so good. So until next time, then, gentlemen, I will bid you a fond farewell. And as always, thanks for your time. Cheers. Cheers. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you and look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at Prague Paula on all of those or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and downloads on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>